Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family, a podcast for black sheep. Bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to season two of Bad Family. We're excited to have you along. I wanted to start by saying that you'll notice we did not record a new intro. We lied. (laughs) It's coming, but it's not ready for episode one of season two. So stay tuned. We're excited to have you back. Stay along for the ride. For real now, let's get started. Hey, Lincoln. Hey. How's it going? I'm pretty good. Still waiting on Lindsay. Word. But I bet she'll be here any minute. Um, How was your uh, break? I know, I guess I should start by saying welcome back, season two. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, My break was pretty nice. I feel... Like, I didn't go anywhere, but I have been focusing on redecorating the house, and that's been going really well. Oh, I'm glad about that. Why redecorating? Um, Just trying to, like, make the space feel more homey and comfortable with, um, like, pandemic, and I'm working home from home, like, all the time now. You just want to be comfortable in the space where you're at. Yeah, I completely understand that. Similarly, we are out of storage in our apartment, which was small to begin with. So I've been trying to come up with like storage solutions. And as someone who's not naturally very good at that, like I've never been, I I mean, I guess I would just don't think that I have like the interior design skill (laughs) set. It's been very, very challenging for me to come up with creative storage solutions. I'm doing my best, but it does not, it's not natural. Yeah, I would like to downgrade on the amount of stuff that I have, at least that I don't use, um, just so I won't need so much storage. Because the place that I'm in right now is very small. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of doing that to some degree last night. I've just been trying to clean and and I was throwing away stuff, but I was asking Matt before I threw anything away, just making sure like he didn't have any attachment to it or reason we needed to keep it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I throw away these like takeout plastic knives and forks? And he was like, yes, <laughs> I don't know why we would need to keep those. And I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to be that person. I mean, you, you have to thank the, the knives and forks before you get rid of them. That's the Marie Kondo. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. I mean, I feel like I th- I just threw a bunch in the trash. Just a bunch of, like, junk. I was feeling like a hoarder. I know I'm not, but just, like, things that I felt like should have been thrown away a long time ago, and I just didn't realize I was just trying to chuck things to make more space. Well, right now, as we're redecorating, um, we have sort of, like, a corner where all of the junk that we're trying to get rid of has sort of piled up and the rest of the house is starting to like look good and come together but this corner i can't stop looking at it <laughs> yeah like it's grating on your last nerve <laughs> yeah. but like our we have a kitten and she loves the trash corner she just jumps all over it she's sleeping there right now actually oh that's so cute that's like if ever there's a bag or a box or or an umbrella anything on the ground our cat crow is like in its business he just has to be everywhere it's so true about cats being curious it's even true to an annoying level yeah um but one thing about new york while we're still waiting for Lindsay. Um, in other parts of the country where people have cars and when you have donation stuff, you can just take it to Goodwill or, or other donation organizations in New York, obviously most people don't have cars, but there's this magical thing about the street where if you put anything out on the street and you write free you know, and attach a free sign to it, or it's in a box that says free, 
it's gone. It's gone. It all disappears. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's phenomenal. There are things I wouldn't think that anyone would pick up. And it just all goes. It's like sometimes people will pick like a thing here or a thing there. And then then you'll just see like an entire box or like bags or however much stuff. It's just gone. Damn. That's crazy. Good old New York, though. Yeah, well, you know, it makes me think like some anything that doesn't have to go in the garbage, if it's something that somebody could use or find valuable or sell, especially in this time, to make a couple of dollars where, you know, I just don't have time to sell or find someone who wants like my hand-me-down shirt, you know, or whatnot, but it's still good. It's still perfectly fine. Put it on the street and it's gone. I hope someone gets a lot of value out of that. Yeah, I feel like whenever I try and sell stuff, I'll throw it on Craigslist. And I'm usually successful. I can get rid of it in like a day or two. But um, smaller stuff, I don't really care about selling. I'll just um, either take that to like a clothing shop or Goodwill or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't, haven't sold anything on Craigslist in years and years and years. Maybe even longer. I, the last thing I remember trying to sell was like, I think at one point I sold my old Google phone years ago for almost nothing, maybe like $25 or $50, but I was glad someone got some value out of it. Something I found out is like, if you want to get rid of a bed, you can go on Craigslist and like list the bed as free and it's gone in like an hour. Someone will contact you and then just come and take it. Because they need a bed. That makes me sad as much as I'm grateful that there are people who, you know, getting the things that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in my early 20s when I was living in Salt Lake City, Provo, Utah area, that I would like to just browse Craigslist, you know, to see like what kind of furniture or antiques or other goods were available and I had no money but it was just like interesting to me and I remember that I would search like mid-century modern and (laughs) just like trying to look at interesting things I do that now but with apartments sort of a black hole I think people do that on Facebook marketplace as well but I've never really used that or next door well um what I did over, or I guess the most valuable thing that I did over our summer break is also apartment related. Um, let me pause one second. Lindsay's texting. Oops, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Big star. Welcome back. Yeah. Okay, girly. <laughs> Make an entrance. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing that I did is I bought a bench on Nextdoor kind of on a whim next door is like a neighbor app um and i bought this bench and i went there i just walked to the place to pick it up and then i was just gonna get a like an uber or a lyft xl to get it home mm-hmm. and as i am doing this i was thinking this is maybe a bad idea like can you imagine someone asking you to help transport this piece of furniture I was like this may not work what am I gonna do I was like I'll have to call Matt and see if like uh he can borrow a work van to try and help me get this piece of furniture I haven't told him that I bought home and it was just taking and I just kept getting lifts I tried Lyft and Uber and the cars would just cancel and so (laughs) they were taking like a long time to get there and before they would get to me they would just cancel and I was like I don't feel good about this and so one guy the next guy who connected I just texted them and was like I'm trying to transport a bench I will you know I will tip well do you think you could help me (laughs) and he and he was like yes okay so finally I got someone to come and the reason it had taken a long time was because various streets were blocked off um as part of like the a COVID New York closed the streets initiative where certain streets are blocked off. So people have more outdoor public space. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this very, very, very nice man has a lift XL and like puts down the back seat and helps me lift the bench in. And uh, he said that he had like a hurt shoulder, you know, so I'm doing like all the heavy lifting and feeling really bad. 
Um, but luckily the bench fit and I would have paid him any amount of money to get me out of the predicament that I had put myself in. <laughs> so uh, I was just happy to to have his help. But anyway, this was a long way of saying that the best thing that happened to me over break is that on OM, I bought this bench and put it in our living room and it's become my reading nook. Oh. It is like my favorite part of the morning, the morning and the evening is that I'll sit on our bench in my reading nook by the window and drink my tea and read or in the evenings I'll sit there and wind down and it has become like a place of peace for me in the midst of craziness crazy work crazy life crazy whatever you know I like that so that was the best part of my summer break I will say as much as I love the podcast it was really nice just um having less structure yeah and like resting is always a good call yeah we have to rest like we have to take vacation i took some vacation over break um obviously to north carolina as you know to visit lauren uh and go to the beach for a week um but also matt and i went to an airbnb in new hampshire for a week and i did not realize how vital it is to pause and just like rest the mind, rest the body, step away from work, get out of your normal, whatever, you know, routine or whatever. I felt like when I came back to work, I was really refreshed. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. I I got caught up talking to mom. After I talked to you, I showed her my new apartment. Oh yeah, no problem. That's a positive thing to do. Yeah. Well, you missed our um, tell us apart. (laughs) We were talking about what we did over our summer break. So why don't you just tell us what you did over your summer break? Okay. I'm sorry I missed what you guys did. (laughs) You can just listen later. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. Well, I turned 29. I had my birthday. Um, And I moved. So those are the two big highlights. Sick, the big two nine. How do you feel? Twenty nine. The all important twenty nine. What did I do? Kind of nothing. Uh, Moving is a huge thing. That is not nothing. That is one of the most stressful things. Besides, yeah, I meant for my birthday. (laughs) Moving is (laughs) extremely stressful. I guess that's kind of what we did. We were. uh, I think there was a heat wave around that time. And uh, we just kind of started looking uh, as a whim or like on as a bit kind of. We were like, what if we found someplace with with air conditioning? Wouldn't that be crazy? And then we found this kind of a gem um, on a Thursday. And by Saturday, we had signed the lease. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember that it was about air conditioning. Yeah, well, that's why we started looking, and then we found this place, and it was kind of better in every way. Um, yeah, it's a big step up after having seen your old place versus the new one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the old place was fine. It wasn't like we were suffering there, but this place has in-unit laundry and AC and a porch, so it's better. <laughs> it's yeah. inarguably better. I get it. I'm real itchy to move, um, mainly because we get really bad service with our apartment, meaning if something breaks, it never gets fixed. Oh, that stinks. Do you have like a super or just your landlord? Um, That's a good question. I'm blanking on the difference. Like who we pay money to is the landlord and the super who takes care of the business. I mean, the building. Well, I've never had a super before because I've never lived in a building with many units. But I think in that kind of situation, there's somebody who is just a tenant, but they have more. Maybe they pay less or they. Oh, yeah, we have one and and nothing gets fixed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, to give you an example, we had a leak where I think it was our bathtub leaked months and months and months ago and flooded out. Like, I think I I mentioned this, but like the back wall of the bathroom, I mean, opposite that wall is a bookcase. 
<laughs> so it was bleeding water onto that bookcase and ruined oh, like no. a bunch Dude. of Matt shoes and some important books. Like Matt had a Salvador Dali Bible and that part of that got ruined. So he was pretty mad. <laughs> that stinks. Um, but it didn't get fixed. It's still not fixed months and months and months later. So there's just like part of our apartment we can't use. <laughs> and in like a time, in a time of pandemic and in a tiny shoebox New York apartment, it's infuriating to not be able to use. Are you still paying full rent? Yeah. That's... Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but, but we just like, you can't get services. Everyone is just like a number in this like, rent machine to give you an example a couple of years ago we had a leak so bad in our bathroom that one year later a year of leaking our bathroom ceiling collapsed and i demanded that they give us some kind of credit on our rent and they gave us a hundred dollars <laughs> what There's probably have you looked into like tenants rights There's... Definitely some kind of. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> I just haven't bothered, but I want to move. And I know I can't complain. We are like healthy and, you know, relatively safe. <laughs> you know, it's just like. I mean, you can complain a little bit, though. It's just been driving me crazy. And so I've wanted to move. But then the other thing is that our building is rent controlled. So, uh, I mean, we still pay a lot, but it's not. We could be paying a lot more in New York. But maybe sure. for like $500 more a month, we could move to a two-bedroom. And I'm like, we should move to a two-bedroom, Matt. And then, you know, I could have an office. Since I'm working from home all the time, we would just have more space. So, I don't know. Are you well. looking at all or are you just thinking about it or wanting to? Uh, we're sort of looking. Not super seriously because we haven't decided. It's like yeah. a big commitment. <laughs> Would you want to stay in the same area? Yeah, for sure. We want to stay in the same neighborhood area. Yeah. We have like a, you know, like kind of a rectangle of where we want to stay in. Are you seeing anything, any good options or um, have you not really gotten to that point yet? Uh, we haven't. I don't think you can actually see apartments in this time, but I've I've seen some apartments that look promising on Zillow. Yeah, I just meant listings. Are you only looking on Zillow? We found our place on Hot Pads. Oh, I like Hot Pads. I found places on there before. I've never heard of that. I know another big New York one is called Street Easy, so I should look at that as well. But I hadn't looked at anything else. I, I just kept going back and forth. I was like, no, let's just stay here. We'll save the money. And then I'm like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> no, we should save the money. We have to leave now. I don't know. I do think saving money is important, but it's also like part of the reason, part of the uh, justification for the move was, for our move, was that uh, we're going to be bored in the house and in the house bored for the next year plus. It's looking <laughs> like so we might as well make an investment in the space where we will be spending all of our time. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really true. I get it. I was just talking to Courtney about that. Because I'm trying to uh, redecorate the house right now and make it more, like, homey. We are, too. What are you doing to redecorate? Um, just bought some new rugs that we laid out. Rugs Ooh. are annoyingly expensive, I found out. Yeah, hundreds uh, of dollars. Yeah, they really are. Are yeah. you buying new? Or are you, like, we shopping on Facebook yeah. Marketplace? We were looking on... um craigslist for a while but we couldn't find anything that was like good that fit the space we're in so we just went to ikea a good place is wayfair that has discounted furniture yeah wayfair. link what's your design aesthetic um you know i don't know i like kind of like my wardrobe i would say i like muted cool colors um <laughs> i like dark wood uh, <laughs> i'm also finding out that uh, my partner Haley, we have like very different design styles, so we're compromising uh, a fair amount. What's her style? She likes. And what's light. your style? What's different about them? That's the main thing that we fight over. I love dark wood, and she loves light wood. Um, and she likes uh, like uh, rattan stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, does that mean like the breathing? I didn't know what you said. 
No, like Rattan, it's like a type of furniture. Oh, you know, it's like cane wickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She likes that for lamps and things. Oh, you don't like that? I don't love them. Oh. Hmm. I like that. Lindsay, what's your design style? Um, Nina says... (laughs) Nina says if I could decorate this entire apartment as a bit, then I would. (laughs) (laughs) I just like anything that makes me laugh. Um, So... Like we were talking yesterday about about putting up a clock, and I was like, "What about a cuckoo clock?" And she was like, "No." Oh, <laughs> uh, I think my design style is definitely modern. I like the idea of minimalist, but I also really like colorful art. You know, so like clean modern furniture built-in bookcases with books, colorful art, like whimsy. I do like whimsy. Um, Yeah. Matt's style is a lot, is very colorful, but we have very different tastes in what we like, so we just compromise, which means that we each like half of our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Which half is the half that you can't use? Uh, It's just like part of the hallway, the bookshelf. I meant whose half. (laughs) Oh, uh, it's shared. Well, we, it's not like we said, you get the kitchen, I get the bathroom. We just, sort yeah. of, it's just like each is a mix. It's a blended mix, which sort of makes an incohesive design aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. I like I your say... apartment, though, from what I remember a few years ago. Well, thank you. Oh, you to visit? Man, I've never gotten to visit. Yeah, I thought but, they were uh, really nice. I'll wait until you have your two-bedroom. Yeah, it it will be more comfortable if we go in that direction than sleeping on our couch or air mattress floor. <laughs> um, although we got a, a another air quote room in our apartment when I discovered I could go out on the fire escape slash patio. <laughs> how long before you discovered that? Um, like, how long were you in your apartment before you realized you could go out on the fire escape? Not, I mean, we've been here for five years in March, but I didn't go out until on it until the pandemic. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess loosely, I always knew in case of fire, that's the escape route. I just never got yeah. to go out on it. And then after being months and months inside in pandemic, I just crawled out the window and it was so deeply pleasant. What floor are you on? The second floor. Hmm. But it's a How very tall second building. Uh, I think only six, but it feels like eight because they're pretty tall ceilings. Gotcha. So that's how it goes. Anyway, I guess let's get to the the heart of things since we were just talking about being indoors. Um, let's flip and talk about being outdoors. What I wanted to talk about for the the heart of this episode is about nature, especially in light of the fires sweeping the western part of the United States. Um, I wanted to take about talk about our relationship to nature um, and if our relationship to nature has changed over time. And I know for myself, I've always been, I guess I go back and forth. I felt like I was outdoorsy as a younger person. And then I feel like I got very deeply indoorsy. And I'm not sure why. I think just like bugs and insects and (laughs) not always having the best experiences camping where I would get like bitten by a lot of mosquitoes and things like that. But especially this year, I feel like in pandemic times, I've been feeling like my heart is leaning much more towards the outdoors and being outdoorsy. And um, are you getting to go out a lot like um spend much time outdoors i think the last time we recorded you said you had gone on a bike ride yeah i am now i didn't the first three or four months of of covid but i am now just like wearing a mask i'll run in my mask or you know go to the park in my mask so i'm getting more outdoor time in parks and stuff in new york but not so much in nature I felt like I hadn't been in nature in a long time, except when we went to uh, New Hampshire in August. The Airbnb that we were at, there was a trailhead right at the bottom of the driveway. And so we could just like run along the trailhead or hike along the trailhead. And 
um, there was a lot of natural vegetation. And so you could forage, like we were able to forage wild blueberries and blackberries and raspberries. And I'd never done anything like that in my life. Obviously, I'd picked blackberries from where we grew up, but not in yeah. the wild. And I just feel like that experience of gathering and like being able to pick wildflowers, um, I deeply resonated with me, especially as like a task oriented person. I was like, gather, gather, gather. Like my enjoyment was really <laughs> sky high in that moment. I was like, oh, I get it. People like being outdoors because there's a task and it's, it's enjoyable. So I liked that. Um, how do you guys feel like, or what do you feel like your relationship with nature is? Lindsay, you want to go first to me? Um, you can go first. Um, I think my relationship with nature has definitely changed over the years. When I was a kid and teenager, um, I was lazy. I never really cared about nature. I was like very content to come home after school and watch TV and not be that. Um, but I don't know in my like late teen years, so like 18 and 19, I started going on some more backpacking and camping trips with some friends. And that was really, really fun. Um, for example, one of the trips we did was, like a 33 mile hike um, of this loop called the Triple Crown, where it's like these three points on the Appalachian Trail that are super scenic and beautiful in Virginia, and they're called Virginia's Triple Crown. Um, and I remember that hiking trip being like one of the funnest outdoor moments I've ever had because you're just in nature for like three days straight. Um, but right now where I am, that trip was a few years ago. I miss nature. I feel like now that I've sort of settled into a job and I'm in a big city uh, and also with a pandemic where you're home all the time, I don't get a lot of opportunities to go into nature nature. I feel like when I do have an opportunity to do something nice, it's usually like go to the park or something. So I love nature, but I miss it at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I resonate with that. And I've never heard of the Triple Crown. I'm going to add that to my bucket list of things I want to do, like biking. Oh, it's a really fun loop. Like the other Virginia thing I realized I wanted to do is biking the Virginia Capitol Trail. Oh, yeah. Well, that's more of a new thing that you can do. Newish. I would say, like, I felt, I don't think I've ever been uh, an extremely outdoorsy person, but I do think we were raised with more uh, of a connection to nature in the sense of, like, gardening and spending a lot of time playing outside than maybe some people do as kids. Um, I've never really been camping. I would like to become more of a person who camps. Like two years ago, <laughs> Nina and our friend Sophie and I went on a hike uh, in the mountains here. And we were like, we're going to become hiking people. We're going to become campers. We're going to like buy camping equipment and do that all the time and, and get <laughs> who, who knew how to camp <laughs> and we did not do any of those things but uh, it's still a thought now that we're uh, you know stuck in the house all the time whenever I've been able to get outside I also don't have a car so that kind of helps with and as much as the as you can be in nature in LA I like to uh get outside and um you know walk around and breathe the uh <laughs> the the toxic air <laughs> the orange smoke um, 
Yeah, breathe that over that sweet, sweet smog. Um, before the air quality became like sucking on a tailpipe, I was going up and hiking Griffith Park you know fairly often i'm gonna start doing that again as soon as it's not uh like the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes is it just like an overlook trail um i mean it's a really big yeah it's the largest park in the in the country (laughs) no the largest urban park in the country i don't know Nina says it's the largest urban park in the country, but it has uh, many trails. There's like a part of Griffith Park that used to be LA Zoo, and there are still some like old enclosures there. There's like the Griffith Observatory, which is up on the hill, and that's what I would hike to um, from our old apartment. And now it's a little bit closer, so it won't be as much of a trek. But uh yeah i like i like the fresh air that's that's as much as i really have to say about my connection with nature i would like to know more about um you know growing my own plants and tomatoes or whatever you can grow as an apartment dweller but that's an interesting topic. Like, is there a part of nature that you're most interested to get to know, like gardening or hiking or um, swimming? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, actually seeing sights. Like, it's related to my love of travel, but it's just like seeing the yeah. big, beautiful world and sort of communing with nature. How nature can make you feel small but in a positive way do you know what i mean like when i used to be mormon i remember if i would see something beautiful in nature i would always think of like all things testify of god and i don't Mm -hmm. have exactly that same experience in nature now but it's sort of like that it feels like something grand and majestic and divine Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i like to be uh reminded or like given a sense of perspective about um my life and how tiny tiny and insignificant (laughs) it is yeah well i was telling you guys i was listening to a podcast i listened to the daily from the new york times and recently they had a podcast called an obituary for the land and i was running one morning and i was really excited to listen to it it was actually yesterday, <laughs> like thinking it was a couple of days ago, but a lot of things <laughs> One have happened. But um, yes, because Friday night we got the news that, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And so I saw that title, an obituary for the land, and I thought it was going to be about Ruth, um, but it wasn't. It was about the fires in California and the land burning and this New York Times reporter who covers California and the wildfires just had this idea pop into her mind, the idea of like writing an obituary for the land. And she called Terry Tempest Williams. I think she just happens to be friends with her. Terry Tempest Williams is a poet and also an author. Her most famous book is Refuge, but she also, she's written a number of other things, including a book called When Women Were Birds. Um, and she asked Terry to write an obituary for the land sort of like a poem for what's happening to the west coast which i thought was really really beautiful but what really struck me from that is she is talking about how she had her own experience you know kind of surviving like a wild forest fire a few years ago in a national park in the west but also how um she talks about her own knowledge of nature how there are these like pyrophytic plants. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, Um, but but have adapted to fire so that their seeds, Mm -hmm. like certain plants with serotonous cones, the the seeds drop when they start to feel the heat from a fire, like the seeds are coated in a resin. So it's like an adaptation that these trees have had so that in fire, the fire will burn off the resin and 
as I understand it, so that they can be planted and grow again. So there's new growth again right after the fires, like the trees have adapted to survive Is that natural what's... wildfires. Resin coated? Say what? I said, is that what serotonous means, resin coated? Um, I have no idea. Maybe. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> but like sealed with, with resin and then they open to release their seeds after the heat of the fire like melted away the resin. Which I thought was just, I found that this like interview with Terry Tempest Williams incredibly eye-opening I just feel like I mean I'm not personally affected in the way that you both are with the fires burning in Mm -hmm. California although I've been listening to a lot of news about it and I have like the imprint of the horrible fires in Australia that we all went through or saw last year but just that idea of like adaptation through hardship really resonated with me and made me feel so, close to nature. I looked it up. Um, serotony is an ecological adaptation exhibited by some seed plants in which seed release occurs in response to an environmental trigger rather than at seed maturation. Interesting. So it not, doesn't necessarily have to be coated with resin, but somehow adapts to a trigger to survive, like a Darwinist yes. change. <laughs> like fire I was just talking about this yesterday when I was when I called our other sister Lauren but for some reason what you're saying uh, reminded me of um, earlier in the pandemic I was watching or I watched the entire Ken Burns Dust Bowl documentary that's (laughs) great I'm down for that (laughs) It was very good. I would highly recommend it. One of my favorite Ken Burns series of all time. But um, it felt really topical and prescient because basically that that whole situation was an ecological disaster caused by man-made uh, factors. So... Um, Pretty much, um, it was caused by, like, rampant agricultural uh, practices that weren't suited to the land that they were on. So they dug up the natural buffalo grasses in the Midwest and planted, like, wheat and other crops that um, aren't supposed to grow there. And that caused the topsoil to dry out, leading to a decade of, you know, awful, horrible dust storms. And that felt like really, obviously it's not exactly the same thing, but um, with the wildfires here, many of which are man-made and, you know, due to climate change um, and bad corporate practices like the land is sort of a tinderbox ready to to burn always it felt pretty um pretty topical and that the the way they like climbed out of that horrible situation in the dust bowl is that they just um realized like finally became convinced that they needed to return to the way the land naturally is and should be um, and like replant the buffalo grass and then use agricultural techniques that preserved um, you know the way that land is supposed to be I'm gonna have to watch that I don't think I've watched that one you should watch it it's really good I think also I because of like our grandma and like the way that uh, some of the people we were raised around, their southern accents are very like comforting to me <laughs> in some way. Whenever they're like, we had to cross an old hickory log to go to church, 
<laughs> something about that to me is like I'm home. <laughs> oh, I love the southern accent. Even in Charlotte, when I was visiting Lauren, the southern accents in Charlotte are even so different than our mom's southern accent from Virginia. It's just slower. Lauren said it sounds like it gets like more and more molasses the farther south you go, and I yeah. live for it. <laughs> yeah, I love a good draw. I loved it. I loved it. But yeah, I feel like we're all, even if we forget, you know, if we forget with our cities and our money and our cars and our fancy important lives or whatever, I feel like we're all very deeply rooted to the earth and like, or have stewardship over the earth. Or should do we should treat it that way i think uh obviously that's one of the problems (laughs) that we're having right now is that a lot of people don't or like maybe not maybe it's not a problem of like many individuals making the wrong decision but the fact that these giant corporations are poisoning the planet (laughs) (laughs) well i mean the one positive thing we can probably say about COVID is that it vastly slowed down air travel, that it helped our yeah. you know, carbon emission goals in a way that I don't know if, I don't know that we can keep that pace unless we continue to, to slow the world. You know, like maybe we, even though I love travel, yeah. maybe we got to bring back boat travel guys. <laughs> we got maybe we that. can't have it the fastest and the most efficient you know, actually, I'm truly fine with that. We just need, we actually need structural change in the world. Like, we need to work less and be like less corporate yes. driven. I have a, I yeah. decided I need a five year plan to get out of corporate America. <laughs> what are you going to do gonna to get out? Are you just going to start my own business and then be my own boss? Whoa. What kind of business? You guys always ask me this. I don't know. I'm just going to start one. <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be tremendous. Well, no no one has been able to do it before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know, but I just know that that's the direction that I'm headed. I just want my time to feel more valued, want more directional choice over my own future. Mm. so that's what's that's what's coming for me um another thing that got me really into nature it's funny because it's an indoorsy thing it was watching the show alone i don't know that show what is Um, it's a show i don't know if it's american maybe canadian um but it's the it's like a nature competition where these like wildlife experts get dropped into a wilderness and like a couple of times it's been vancouver island or siberia but the premise is that you're dropped off with i think you get 10 things and you can pick what the 10 things are but it's like people take like fishing poles or like a hatchet a bow and arrow things like that and then the person to survive the longest in the wild because they have like a walkie-talkie and then I think they have like routine medical checks because obviously people sure. start to lose a lot of weight. Um, the, the first... I wonder what the liability insurance is like on the show. <laughs> what the waivers have to be. I don't know. But the person to survive the longest, I think, wins like $100,000 or maybe it's less than that. Oh maybe it's God. more than that. I don't know. But people really, really want to to stay the longest and actually it's a good thing they have those medical checks because almost every episode people get pulled they're like we're sorry it's too risky for you this day or are they like are these actual people with training on how to survive in nature or are they just like regular people i think they're regular people with diverse backgrounds like they have had some (laughs) usually they're the people who apply are have had some survival training of their own interest you know what I mean like they've taken classes Uh or read books or some of them you know might run like a survival camp or like a hunting program or a lot of them 
like to do arts and crafts. So like I've seen people like build a drum while they're out <laughs> and they're all building their shelters. Like <laughs> it sounds like the Hunger Games. Yeah, what sort Some of places are just are... like, well, I used to bake the cakes, so I'm really good at disguising myself. Neither of you have seen the Hunger Games? Okay, never mind. Uh, I read the book. <laughs> I've seen the Hunger Games, it's just been a long time. No, but don't don't not right, the show. It's a it's a Our fascinating show. Our audience will know. Our audience will understand the joke. They'll love it. I'm not sure I understand the joke. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, that that kind of got me interested in the outdoors because, you know, as like kind of a competitive person, I just I was just like I'm. I want to survive, you know, like it was just kind of interesting, <laughs> even though I don't really like hardship. I was like, ooh, to challenge oneself to the brink. Interesting. But good show. Good That's show. The- Highly recommend. Entry point. Word. Um, the topic of nature has kind of got me thinking about plastic um, because I was oh yeah. this NPR article a little while ago about how um, basically plastic manufacturers and oil companies sort of tricked the world through marketing into thinking that plastic was uh, like sustainable <laughs> when really only like I think less than 10% of the plastic ever made has ever been recycled. Well, it's yeah. because of uh, it's not profitable to recycle. Yeah. They can more easily make more plastic than recycle. Like it's it costs more to recycle the plastic than to make new plastic, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is bad for the, the plastic- environment. But monetarily, they have no incentive to recycle. Yeah. Except that they are killing themselves slowly along with the planet. Well, I just don't think that recycling is ever going to work if, like, it's not financially sustainable. And also, you can only recycle a piece of plastic, like, maybe two or three times before it can't be used anymore. Um, yeah. So we just need to find something else. Sometimes I'll see, like, things marketed as compostable plastic, but those make me angry, too, because... Uh, I was reading that they're like only compostable under certain like environments. If it's not in that particular like temperature range, it's not going to break down. Yeah, we need something for a different the thing that I think about a lot is all the dog poo in the world because you just see those nasty green bags everywhere. Like, why don't we just yeah. have something that's like a paper bag you have to pick up your dog shit with? And then it goes right into like a dog shit composter or something. But those green plastic bags are just—it sounds like you've got your million dollar idea. <laughs> not maybe. just an eyesore, <laughs> but they're just—it's just not a solution. Yeah, something that could—they should have dog toilets. Put those in every <laughs> dog park. I the thing is though, I also don't know how long it takes a paper bag to decompose. Yeah. Yeah. I know that it would, paper, or you could but do I like, don't know how long it would take. Interesting. Or you could do like um instant composting kind of thing, like something that would instantly dry out a dog turd and you could crush it up. Oh, I know. We need like <laughs> and sell it as like compost. You need like a zap gun. For <laughs> like, like the future. It's yeah. like a crypto freeze poop zapper <laughs> it's genius and then you eliminate the smell you know what i say we uh we tackle the problem at <laughs> no uh, oh my gosh wait nina just had the best idea p you with the umlauts p poop for pups what? say that again <laughs> it's p you with the umlauts p poop pup <laughs> I guess see that wasn't a funny joke to me because I didn't realize that the umlaut made the sound ooh. Oh, see, yeah, 
that's that's poo, a uh, poo. <laughs> that's a linguistics joke you have to have a little bit <laughs> a little bit of back yeah but now that there. i know that that is quite quite clever please pat dina on the back will do pat her on the back yeah, I mean, honestly, there are so many problems we should we should all be brainstorming solutions for. We're not going to solve the um, we're not going to solve global warming and the environmental crisis today. But, but we, we can, can do our part. We can do our tiny baby, tiny puppy part. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. I think composting would help actually in cities. I don't think anyone composts because there's not that I'm aware of an easy way to do it. But if someone picked up your compost the same way they pick up your garbage, you know, if there was just like a compost bin with a lid, I bet people would do it. I bet they would too. We compost in San Francisco. How do you do it? Um, I don't know. We just have like the green compost bin outside. We, we also have the green bags, so um, I'll put all the food scraps into this green bag and then throw it in the green compost bin, and then they just come and take it every week. Hey! What's mm. the name of the company? Will you send it to me so I can kind of look up the model? Uh, the composting company? Yeah. I don't know, but I can find well, out. Well, here's a you. question. Is the green bag you're throwing all the food scraps in compostable? That was the part that interested me. Yes, we buy the compostable green bags and then we throw, we like tie up the scraps and we put them into the compost bin. Although something I don't understand is we're not supposed to compost meat, um, like only fruits and vegetables and like bread scraps. Yeah. I don't really understand. It might be to prevent like scavenging animals. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. Yeah, we should read about it. I think I thought it had something to do with changing the like makeup of the soil. Oh, you think it might have like a pH or acidity? Yeah, that made of... it like more or less positive that... actually to be used for compost. But I'm not positive about that. We should read about that and follow up. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard of some people getting composting toilets, which I think are waterless, and then they, you poop into a hole, and then you have to, like, deal with it somehow, like. You're not selling this, so it's probably a good idea, but you're really not selling it. (laughs) I mean, I've never done it. I've never done it. I don't even know what it looks like. I've just heard it spoken about. It's probably better for the environment. You use you know, less water. Anyone could but, build their uh, own composting toilet with that model. You just get a shovel and dig a hole in your backyard. Yeah, it's called hole in yard. And then you just put like a seat with a hole in it over the hole. Coco. <laughs> That's supposed to be what Shit. you do. Oh. Actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> Wait, when you go camping, Lincoln, maybe you know. Yeah. When you go camping and you need to poop. Yeah. Do you are you supposed to dig a hole and bury it, or are you supposed to like somehow like, dig a hole and bury it? Pack it up. <laughs> no, it's it not. It's not with trash not... and like scrap. It's like you take it in, you take it out. But I don't know. Look, I've heard it both ways. I heard somebody saying like, "No, you're not supposed to leave it out there because of animals or something." You can bury it if you are carrying. <laughs> yeah, <you're food>. <laughs> campsite in a bag you are a lunatic it's like the puppy poo model for humans look right in Listen, i mean maybe right some environmental people say hey man this is how it should be <laughs> but, <laughs> i don't know i i'm i'm hard to be convinced on that one uh, Lindsay, when you were first starting to tell that story i didn't know what you were going for like there was a long pause where you were like do you just like dig a hole or do you and i thought you were gonna say like <laughs> spread it around <laughs> yeah you have to... yeah do you break it up like crumbs Ew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, i'm with lincoln i'm team barry Hey, I'm not, I wasn't on either team. I'm not saying one way or the other is correct. 
I'm just saying I've heard different uh, accounts of what you're yeah, supposed team to bury do. The, team bury the body. That actually just made me think of a, a possible solution for dog poo. What if along all of the city streets, you know, there was like a trench of dirt where when your dog shit, you drop the dog shit in the trench and then you cover, bury it with a shovel. That sounds like a I think it, that dirt would fast very quickly just poop. <laughs> it would just end up being plus like I feel like homeless and other people would use that as <laughs> as a compostable toilet. <laughs> You're right. That could quickly go awry. It would be like a uh, no one would want to walk on the sidewalk. I guess it would be like a feces trench on both sides. No one would want to like slip and then just fall. <laughs> I'm gonna start brainstorming this. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to what bring. Did we do about I didn't dog mean to bring that visual. No, that's okay. I think I started it. But yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, I think you're exactly right, Lindsay. That our we didn't do a lot of outdoorsy things as kids. Like our parents didn't take us camping. Our dad said his whole growing up was camping. He didn't want to be outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> But we did spend a lot of time in the yard, you know, playing in the yard, picking blackberries. We had climbing trees, rolling down hills, just being in the, you know, little bubble of our of our neighborhood, spending a lot of time outdoors. And um, I feel like as we got older in our various ways, we've each seen nature more and more. kind of grown that connection yeah and it'll be nice when i don't know the world settles down hopefully soon um to go out and travel again and see different parts new nature yeah by boat by boat yeah or just locally in this time of international travel not really being a possibility i feel like more and more people have just been digging into their states you know seeing things outdoors they never saw before going to remote parts of the country yeah and that's like a return to nature in my mind too like I wouldn't I don't think a a year ago I would have been like on my vacation like I want to hike in New Hampshire no I mean like the trip we planned was like to London and Scotland we wanted to like go to big international cities but I feel like in the near future, the things I want to do are are much smaller in that they're so local, but also in a way bigger, you know, like hiking things and backpacking trips or seeing beautiful vistas, things like that. Oh, on this note, something I'm excited about, uh, because it's good to have things to look forward to in a pandemic. I made a reservation for like later November to go to Yosemite for a little bit. Oh, that's wonderful. I've never been. Oh, that's fun. And I've never been to Yosemite. I've never been either. It'd be really, really good. Hey, how do you make a reservation? Do you mean, is it like a campsite? <clears throat> um, we, I made a reservation at this place called Auto Camp. So um, they have like little airstreams that you can rent. So it's kind of glamping, but it is like near Yosemite. And then you can get a day pass to go into the actual park. Um, should be really, really Well, pretty. please take pictures. That sounds beautiful. And a glampy airstream actually sounds just like how I'd want to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, Lincoln, when did you say you made that reservation for? Uh, late November. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be chilly. It will be a little chilly, but I think with like a fire, it should be really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I've been thinking of purchasing a little like mobile fire pit. Whoa, for your fire escape? No, we can't have one near our apartment. I just, I see, I see people sometimes in parks where you could just have a little fire pit. Oh, I see. That's awesome. Trying to recreate the outdoors and in the urban landscape. Well, anyway, I think this was interesting talking about changing the indoors, dreaming of the outdoors. Does anyone have any last thoughts before we wrap this up? 
Um, just that we should take our cues about nature from indigenous people. Say yep. more about that. Yep. Oh, just like the idea of land ownership and the way that we are like Western ideas of uh, like conquering nature are damaging and that we should think about stewardship over the land and our connection with nature um, more in the way that indigenous people do as far as like we are part of the land the land sustains us and we care for it in turn and so we should stop like just even kind of the idea of owning land is uh, sort of counterintuitive to the way um, nature <laughs> works and sustains us that's a, that we should rethink those things that's a beautiful thought one to sort of ponder through the next week well anyway uh, I love you guys I'm glad to be back to our listeners glad to have you back for season two uh, stick with us through the journey love you too love you talk to you later Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Smell you later.